whatever it is you have need of. You know, this week after church on Sunday, my sister comes in and she goes, somebody's uh, hurt, hurt your car. They've hit my car or done something to my car. I said, nobody hit me. And we went out and the bumper of my car was sticking out. It's not supposed to do that. It's supposed to be flat right there on the side. And, uh, and so I said, but I didn't do anything. And, you know, for the first time, I've never had this happen before, but I, I, we were taking it down to Indianapolis to have it looked at, and I thought, the devourer is rebuked in my life, in my husband's life, because we give like God told us to. So he has no right to mess with my car in Jesus' name. And they said, well, you're going to have to have that repaired, whatever. My husband took it out to a place here, and they said, you know, we can we can put that back in there. You don't have to, you don't have to do anything right now. And I thought, thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Because the, the, the devourer, everybody say the devourer. There is a devourer that is after your seed, after your finances, after your equipment, whatever you have, but we have a right to stand up and say, no, no, no. And that's, that's a benefit of making sure you're following the kingdom of God and not the kingdom of this world because the kingdom of this world there's not a lot of mercy but with God there's always a way amen let's stand up together we're going to make our confession tonight and then we're going to talk about Bible covenants so glad to see all of you boy the last two Wednesdays have been a little sparse in here like last week was very sparse in here and we stopped a little early but uh, if you want to listen to the first message you can it's up online but the second one we did with a video and so last week's message, we cannot put up online. Um, Jimmy Evans was the man that we listened to share on the marriage covenant. And so if you're interested in that, I'm sure you can go to his website and find a way to listen. I would encourage all of you to listen to it. But we talked about covenant in regards to marriage, and it's, it was really a great video and explains thoroughly, you know, that our relationship with Jesus is the same as what the relationship in the marriage is supposed to be. And that's why it's important. We need to understand covenant. Everybody say covenant. So let's say this. I am here on purpose because I have a purpose. My heart is open. My mind is ready to receive because God is not finished with me yet. My best days are right in front of me. And I have victory in my life because Jesus lives in me. Amen. Amen. Tell someone I'm glad you came tonight. You can be seated. <clears throat> um, for time's sake, I'm not going to review a lot of what I, what I shared the first week, except I want to review a few things for those of you maybe who weren't here that, that uh, Wednesday night. But, you know, faith, uh, we operate by faith because the gospel says that the just shall live by faith. But, you know, if your faith is not secure in what you know about covenant, then you're going to let go of things that you need to hold on to until you see the fulfillment of it because your covenant is what gives you the right. Everybody say the right. to The right to expect, to have expectation that the promises in this Bible are true. The, all of the old covenant, the new covenant, all those promises that are contained in there are promises that have to do with covenant. Everybody say covenant. And God wants to be in a relationship with each one of us uh, in the Old Covenant, uh, the relationship was different than the relationship we have in the New Covenant. But tonight, we're going to talk about the Abrahamic Covenant and uh, the Mosaic Covenant. We can't talk about all of them. It's, it's so much information that you can hardly teach it in the course we used to teach here in the church uh, on Bible covenants that lasted like six weeks, twice a week for an hour and 20 minutes. So there's no way in these few uh, minutes time that we have here to cover everything. But uh, the covenant, God is the one that establishes covenant with us. Everybody say, God does it. God. It's, it's, these promises in here are not based on what you do. They're based on the blood of Jesus and what was done at Calvary. And the covenant that we're in with God is based upon what God does, not what we do. He's the one that establishes covenant with us. So when we come into covenant, we don't have to come in with uh, everything being all right in our life. How many of you know people that are saying, well, when I get everything right, then I'm going to serve God. Then I'm going to go to church. Then I'm going to 
uh, be a Christian, but I've got to get some things in my life straightened out before I do that. How many of you know it'll never straighten out? Because you, you have to live in a, a faith that's based upon a different foundation than the world. So um, Leviticus 17:11, and this is the key to covenant. Every covenant is established by blood. Everybody say blood. blood. You know, years ago in the Methodist church, when they got ready for Easter, they would sing songs about the blood. And I, I at that time, was the organist in that church. And I, I just thought, do we have to sing these blood songs? I mean, they just seem so gory to be singing in church. We should be singing happy stuff, you know, what Jesus did for everybody. I didn't have a clue. Everybody say no clue to what the covenant was, what Jesus did, of the blood on Calvary. You know, I, I didn't know anything about that. And so I was ignorant. And when you're ignorant, the enemy can deceive you. And I, I was deceived in my life. This is what it says in Leviticus 17, 11. For the life of the flesh is in the blood. We know that. And I have given it to you upon the altar to make atonement for your souls. For it is the blood that makes atonement for your soul. Now, this is an old covenant scripture. Everybody say old covenant. The blood of bulls and goats and and uh, animals, lambs, could not take away sin. It could only cover. It could uh, atone for. That means to cover up what had been done. So as we look at covenant tonight, the covenant has words. Uh, a covenant is this covenant that we're in, the new covenant and the old covenant. Those are the promises. Everybody say the promises. The word is a promise. Everybody say the word of God is a promise. That's why we all need to be reading the word. <laughs> Because that's where you see the promises of God for your life. Then there's always a blood, and then there's a seal that goes along with any covenant. And that's we're going to talk tonight. We talked about the, the uh, Noahic covenant, how when, Mo, when Noah came out of the boat, he, the first thing he did was build an altar and sacrifice an animal, blood. And he was promised by God that as long as the earth remained, there would never be there would always be seed time and harvest. Everybody say that was the promise. The blood had been shed, and then there was a seal of that, and it was the rainbow. So every time you look at that, you see that it's a sign, it's a seal that God said, and he made a promise, and that's what he will do. Everybody say that's what he will do. So when you read the word of God, we can't read it like maybe, I don't know, uh, maybe God will do this for me, but you know what I've done? I don't know if God will do this. What you have done is not the basis of covenant. It's what God did. And so the first covenant that we're going to look at tonight is uh, the Abrahamic covenant. And if you'll turn to uh, Genesis 15, if you have a Bible with you, if you don't, uh, we're going to look at it up on the screen. And we're going we're gonna to read a little bit because we need to understand. Um, actually, Abraham... Um, was, you know, really just a, a man like us, and he had a family. And God told him, you need to leave your family, and you need to go where I'm telling you to go, to a place you don't know. How many of you would like to be Abraham? <laughs> Tonight, you know, I get up here and say, okay, Kent Wells, you're going to a place you don't know. And so this is what you're going to do. You're going to leave your family, and uh, you're going to go here. But when you get there, everybody say, when you get there, he said in chapter 12 of Genesis to Abram, get out of the country from your family and from your father's house to a land that I will show you. I will make you a great nation. Everybody say, that's a promise. And I will bless you. Say, that's a promise. And make your name great. That's a promise. And you shall be a blessing. Now, maybe nobody's told you today that you're a blessing, but God says you are a blessing. You know, you may not have even acted like a blessing today. But your actions don't change what God says about you. Amen? You are a blessing. Everybody say, that's a promise. I will bless those who bless you. That's a promise. And I will curse him who curses you. And in, all, in you, all the families of the earth shall be blessed. Everybody say, I'm blessed to be a blessing. And that's a promise. Amen? So when you begin to think that way about yourself, you begin to receive what God says. Now you say, well, that was Abraham. Well, we're going to show you today that what God said to Abraham still applies to you today in the new covenant. Everybody say in the new covenant. Because what Jesus did fulfilled 
this promise forever. Everybody say forever. It's sealed by blood, and it will not be changed. It's everlasting. Everybody say everlasting. The Abrahamic covenant was an everlasting covenant, but it was a covenant that um, it couldn't save you. (laughs) The covenant that you're in and I'm in can save us from hell and destruction. This, This old covenant was based on people's behavior, the new covenant is not, it's based on the blood. Now, I'm not saying you can do whatever you want, and it's okay. But I am saying that the blood of Jesus was a one-time sacrifice for sin, and it took care of it. And as long as we stay in agreement with God in that covenant and stay connected to what God's saying, we may mess up. We just break fellowship, but we don't break covenant. Everybody say, I don't break covenant. You cannot break covenant unless you turn your back. You know, it says there is a sin that cannot be forgiven. Blasphemy of the Holy Spirit. There is a sin that takes you away. But we all make mistakes. How many of you make mistakes? See, a lot of people don't believe the word of God because they know what they do. So they don't believe what God says about them. Therefore, they never live what God has called them to live. We are blessed. We are blessed with a covenant that says if you ask God to forgive you, he will forgive you and your sins will be as far as the east is from the west and that gives you a new chance every day no matter how many times we mess up and all of us do mess up amen I want to say that because a lot of people think well this whole thing's based on my performance because the world system is performance based but God's kingdom is not so let's read after these things the word of the Lord came to Abram This is after he's left. He's had some other situations happen, which we don't have time to go into. Do not be afraid, Abram. I am your shield and your exceeding great reward. But Abram said, Lord God, what will you give me, seeing I go childless, and the heir of my house is Eliezer of Damascus? Abram said, look, you have given me no offspring. Indeed, one born in my house is my heir. And behold, the word of the Lord came to him, saying, everybody say this, the word of the Lord is higher than what we know. It is. He had to be corrected here because God had something bigger. And behold, the word of the God, Lord came to him saying, this one shall not be your heir. In other words, what you think with your natural mind is not the way this is going. But one who will come from your own body shall be your heir. We know he was very old, 75. He, he wasn't thinking about uh, having an heir of, from his own body. And so it goes on, and he says, Then he brought him outside and said, Look now toward heaven and count the stars if you're able to number them. And he said, So shall your descendants be. Everybody say, First promise. In other words, all those stars, so shall your descendants be. He's still trying to figure out how he's going to have one. God sees a whole arena. Everybody say, That's us. It ultimately is us. And then it goes on and he says, and he believed in the Lord and he accounted it to him for righteousness. Everybody say believe. Believe. We have to believe. That's the key. We have to believe. Then he said, I am the Lord who brought you out of Ur of Chaldeans to give you this land to inherit it. It just amazes me that God brought them out not only to uh, connect them to himself, but to give them land. Everybody say give them land. You know, if you have a question, does God want me to really own my house? Yes. Yes, he does. He wants you to own your, he wants you to possess. Everybody say possess. God is a possessor. God is the possessor of heaven and earth. It's just a few chapters back in this, in Genesis. And so he wants us to be possessors. You know, not always the the one falling back, but the one moving forward taking possession of those things God has promised. And so that's part of covenant, to possess. And I'm going to give it to you. Everybody say, give it to you. And he said, Lord God, how shall I know that I will inherit it? How many of you have ever had God tell you something? You say, how do I, how, how do I know that's really true? Well, he says, I'm going to cut a covenant with you. Why did he say that? Because when I cut covenant with you, it's assured. It's going to happen. It is going to happen. There's going to be blood. There's going to be promises. I just gave you three of them. And you're going, to, you're, you're, descend, you're going to have descendants. You're going to have an heir. You're going to have descendants. And you're going to have land. 
Therefore, I'm going to show you how this is going to happen. And, you know, we're waiting on step one, step two, step three. I'll do this, and then he'll tell me to do this. And then he says, you don't do anything. In fact, he puts him to sleep to keep him out of it. It's the truth. He put him under. <laughs> Gave him a little whatever, anesthetic, and said, see you when this is done. Why? Because God in this particular place had to cut covenant with himself. He cut covenant with himself. So what he says is, so bring me, so he said to him, bring me a three-year-old heifer. Now, I've never understood the age thing, but it must be important. A three-year-old female goat, a three-year-old ram, a turtle dove, and a young pigeon. And then he brought all these things to him and cut them in two down the middle and placed each piece opposite the other, but he did not cut the birds in two. You know, Adam or uh, Abraham knew that God was going to make a covenant with him. So he knew that this was God showing him because he understood covenant. In this day, everybody understood covenant. So if God's going to cut a covenant, that means that God is making a promise that will not fail. And he's doing it because there's shedding of blood. Everybody say shedding of blood. Remember, without the shedding of blood, there is no covenant. And so he goes on and he says, and when the vultures came down on the carcasses, Abram drove them away. In, uh, in this book, this is a great book. It's called The Miracle of the Scarlet Thread. If you, it's easy to read about covenant. It's just a great book. But uh, in, this, in this particular uh, teaching, and I believe this is true, he says those vultures were the enemy trying to steal the covenant before it got sealed. Amen. And so Abram, you know, he's trying to get the devil off of it. But God says, now when the sun was going down, a deep sleep fell on Abram. And behold, a horror and great darkness fell upon him. Then he said, then God said to Abraham, no, certainly. Everybody say, no, certainly. What does that mean? This is going to happen. For sure. There's no doubt. That your descendants will be strangers in a land that is not theirs and will serve them. And they will afflict them for 400 years. This did happen. This was Egypt. And also the nation whom they serve, I will judge. Did he not judge them? How many plagues? You know, 10 plagues. Afterward, they, come, they will come out with great possessions. Now, as for you, you shall go to your fathers in peace. You shall be buried at a good old age. That happened. And in the fourth generation, they shall return here. For the iniquity of the Amorites is not yet complete. And it came to pass when the sun went down and it was dark that, behold, there appeared a smoking oven and a burning torch. Everybody say a bright light. The glory of God that passed between those pieces. On the same day, Lord made a covenant with Abram, saying to your descendants, I have given this land from the river of Egypt to the great river, the river Euphrates, the Canaanites, the Kenizzites. The Cadmonites, the Hittites, the Perizzites, Riphium, the Amorites, the Canaanites, the Gergesites, and the Jebusites. Everybody say it's a promise. In other words, I don't know how many other ites there were, but if they were there, he was gonna, they were gonna fall too. Now, it takes a long time for that to get accomplished in the Word of God. But it was a promise and it was as good as done right here. Not over in the book of Numbers, not over in Deuteronomy, you know, not, not what we see as being the fulfillment of them going in the promised land, but what God said right here made it a sure thing. How many things has God told you? You know, that just can't see him. But it's a sure thing. Everybody say it's a sure thing. Because God does not lie. Once the blood is shed, the covenant is established. And so he made covenant. If you go over in chapter 17, it says, When Abram was 99 years old, um, that uh, the Lord appeared again to Abram and said, I am Almighty God. Walk before me and be blameless. And I will make my covenant between you and me, me and you, and will multiply you exceedingly. Sue said earlier, God multiplies. Everybody say, God multiplies. And it's not like one plus one. It's not even two, plus, two times two. It is like exponentially. 
I mean, his multiplication just goes. And so he's, this is a promise. Everybody say it's a promise. Then Abraham fell on his face, and God talked with him, saying, As for me, behold, my covenant is with you, and you shall be a father of many nations. No longer shall your name be called Abram. Your name shall be called Abraham. Now, you know, in a covenant, uh, one of the last things that happens is there's a name exchange. Um, that's the way it is in marriage, too, although today, you know, I think, you know, people don't necessarily follow that or whatever. But uh, when I married Bill, my name changed to his name. And that's because we are in a covenant with God together. In other words, a marriage covenant includes God. It's not just two people. I mean, a lot of people think that's what marriage is. It's not two people. It's God. It's a threefold cord. And so it's with the Trinity. So when I married him, I took his last name. Now, he became responsible for me, folks. I'm just saying. Because he is the head of our household. And you wonder why men get upset when they don't have money and when they can't provide for their family. Everybody say, that's scriptural. (laughs) Because a man feels the responsibility it's from God. It's in, in him. It's in them to protect and take care of their family. That's just what's in. And you know why a woman gets upset when things aren't going right in her house? Because that's a role that God put in her to take care of her home. You know, there's things that people just don't have right. And it causes lots of problems. Lots of problems. Because we, we've made this marriage thing even to be a who's better than the other guy or who's smarter than the other guy. If you keep the roles according to the covenant, it'll all flow fine. If you let God be the covenant keeper for your life, it'll go well. If you decide to take charge, it's going to be a mess. How many of you ever had God tell you to do something and then immediately, or that he, he's really saying, I'm going to do it, but we immediately decide, okay, I can do this. And then it all gets messed up. But if we wait on God to do it, now we have a part. God will give us something to do. But we're not the one responsible to make God's promises come right and come to, to fruition. He is. Everybody say he is. So the things that God's promised, they are a sure thing, and they will come to pass, but God will do it. How many of you know the scripture says, the battle's not mine, the battle is the Lord's? I, I feel like in, in uh, the Christian walk, even in my life, I experience this, trying to figure out how God's going to do what he's going to do. Or looking, thinking, well, maybe it'll be like this. Or maybe if I did this. Or maybe if so-and-so did this. Uh, and we waste so much time. That's why I felt like God told me, you're so busy with all of that. Just let that go and do this today. Do this today. Then you're operating in a place where God is going to do what he tells you to do that day. Not what we're trying to figure out he's going to do in, in a year or two years or whatever. Abram is this no different. He was no different. I mean, he ended up with a, they ended up with a child they weren't supposed to really have because God said, I'm going to give you an heir. Well, you know, they got tired of waiting, so they had Ishmael. And we still have problems today over that. But, I mean, God's able to overcome things. But, but it's better not to have the problem. How many of you would agree? Better to get it right the first time. So here he's making him, he's repeating what he's already done. But no longer shall your name be Abram. What he's saying is, I'm going to put part of my name into your name, which Yahweh, Y-H-W-H, the H's, the H in Abraham's name makes his name God's name also. In other words, it connected the two of them together in the name. And so he became Abraham and she became not S-A-R-A-I, but S-A-R-A-H, which put her in the covenant with God. So now both of them are connected. They have had a name exchange, and that makes the covenant real to them because they know what that means because they understand covenant. And then he goes on and says, I will make you exceedingly fruitful, and I will make nations of you, and kings shall come to you. In other words, he's going to be... He's going to be exalted for who he is because of his covenant. Everybody say, because of covenant. You know, you have favor because of who you're in covenant with. 
in the new covenant, it's favor, the favor of God. When you go up someplace, you can expect to have favor. Are you okay over there? Okay. Do you have water, Marilyn? Thank you, Jesus. Jan, Jan, put your hands on her and let's pray. Father, in Jesus' name, we thank you for Marilyn. Lord, I know she has a lot of things that she has to take care of, and so I pray, Lord, that you give her wisdom, give her revelation. And right now, just in the name of Jesus, we call her body to come into line with what God designed. In Jesus' name, we call that blood sugar to be what it's supposed to be. In the name of Jesus, we speak to her body in Jesus' name to come in line with the word of God. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Oh, okay. Okay. Thank you, Jesus. Okay. Well, hallelujah. Thank God for a covenant. Amen. We are healed by the stripes of Jesus. Um, let's go on in, in verse uh, seven, 7. I will establish my covenant between me and you and your descendants after you in their generations. This is a promise. Everybody say a promise. So he's saying this covenant isn't going to just be for you. It's going to be for those that come through your lineage. And we see that all through the old covenant. How many times do you see uh, the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob? What is that? That's God reminding them of the covenant that he established right here for future generations. And so he says, for an everlasting covenant to be God to you and your descendants after you. Also, everybody say also, I give to you and your descendants after you the land in which you are a stranger, all the land of Canaan as an everlasting possession, and I will be their God. Hallelujah. You know, when, when we talk about Israel today, uh, if they had the borders that were described in, in the word of God, it, they would be much, it, it would be a lot different. Let's just say there would be, a, and it would settle a lot of arguments if people would go back to the truth of the word of God. That's the reason when I was over there, you know, it's, it's such a small place, actually. But people are fighting over that all the time, fighting against it. Why? Only one reason, because it belongs to God. It's really the enemy always fighting against what belongs to God. You belong to God. You want to know why there's such a battle? <laughs> because you belong to God, and the enemy wants to steal from you everything that God has promised in his word. And through covenant, you have it. Now, Abram uh, still has this promise of Isaac, and we see in Genesis that Isaac is born, but with every covenant, there's a test. Everybody say every covenant. There's a test. And when you look at Genesis chapter uh, 22, everybody say the test. You know, this is where uh, the Lord says to Abram uh, in verse, uh, well, let's just start verse 1. Now, it came to pass after these things that God tested Abram and said to him, Abraham. And he said, here I am. And he said, take now your son, your only son, Isaac, whom you love. And go to the land of Moriah and offer him there as a burnt offering on one of the mountains on which I shall tell you. You know, this is his promise that God is asking him to sacrifice because he knows what this is. Abraham knows what's about to happen. But he also knows the God he serves made a covenant with him. So if, if Isaac is gone, God will resurrect him because he said it through your error. Everybody say through your error. You know, I, I find this, uh, you know, and you see with Jesus, you know, everybody that's going to be in covenant with God is going to make a sacrifice. That's why in the New Testament it will say those who leave father, mother, sister, brother, all those names for the covenant's sake, you know, that we'll inherit, you know, the blessing of God. But it says with persecutions in one of the Gospels which is encouraging. I like to read the other one. It doesn't say that. But it's true. Everybody say it's true. See, uh, oftentimes people are leaving, leaving the promises, leaving God, leaving the church, uh, because things don't turn out the way they think they should turn out 
There are tests. There are tests. There's, there's every opportunity for growth. We'll have a test with it. Why? Because we're going from glory to glory. And God wants to entrust us with so much more. And so Abram had to have, a t- God had to see who's first. Everybody say, who's first? And that's the key. Just what Sue said today. Even in the tithe, tithe who's first? God will, God will release finances to people who can trust him. And, and where you trust him is when you don't have enough. It's not when you have more than enough. It's when you don't have enough. I heard Joyce, Joyce Meyer say, though, that the more you have, the harder it is <laughs> to trust for the bigger thing sometimes. But, but it starts with just being obedient to what it is that God gives you to do. So Abram had to be obedient. It says he rose early. Abraham took, took uh, Isaac and his son, and he split the wood for the burnt offering and arose and went to a place which God told him. Verse 4, then on the third day, Abraham lifted his eyes and saw the place afar off. And Abraham said, to the, Abraham said to the young man, stay here with the donkey. This is the man traveling with them. The lad and I will go yonder and worship, and we will come back to you. Now, Isaac is old enough to know that if we're going to go worship God, there's going to be a sacrifice. There has to be blood. And so if we're going to worship and we're taking the wood, there's going to be a sacrifice. But he doesn't, it doesn't show that he rebels. He just goes. And it says, so Abraham, t- Abraham took the wood of the burnt offering, laid it on Isaac, his son. Does that sound like the cross being put upon the son going to Calvary? Laid the wood on his son, and he took the fire in his hand and a knife, and the two of them went together. But Isaac spoke to Abraham, his father, and said, my father. He said, here I am, my son. Then he said, look, the fire, the wood, but where is the lamb? Everybody say the sacrifice for a burnt offering. And Abraham said, my son, God will provide for himself. Do you know why I believe he could say that? Because the first covenant he cut with them, God provided for, for it. He was the one that walked between the pieces. He was the one that established the covenant. That same God is going to this mountain with them. And that same God is going to provide the sacrifice. Everybody say, that's faith. That's faith. There's a lot of people today in the body of Christ who know the word of God. But it's this kind of faith that releases the anointing of God that destroys the yoke of the devil at levels that we need today and breaks, breaks the bondages in people's lives. Then Abraham said, my son, God will provide himself the lamb for the burnt offering. So the two of them went up together. Then they came to the place of which God had told them, and Abraham built an altar there and placed the wood in order. And he bound Isaac, his son, laid him on the altar upon the wood, and Abraham stretched out his hand, took the knife to slay his son. In other words, I don't know how that happens. You know, I don't know how you get your son to get on the altar, and you get a knife, and you've got the wood, and you're ready to take take this thing the way it's supposed to be. But it says he stretched out his hand, but the angel of the Lord called from heaven and said, Abraham, Abraham. So he said, here I am. And he said, do not lay your hand on the lad and do, do any, or do anything to him. For now I know that you fear God since you have not withheld your son, your only son, from me. Everybody say it was a test. How many of you had things that, you thought God told you to do something, and right in the middle of it, something's taken away, and you think, what was that? It's what happens on the other side of that that determines someone's growth in walking in their covenant with God. That's why we see some people just get stopped right there. But if you understand covenant, God will. All things do work together for good for those who love God and are called according to his purpose. I don't understand it all. I've had things that have been sacrificed that I would have never thought would have to be sacrificed. But I know that God is God. And so if something he said is the way it is, he's going to make it happen. I can't do that. Everybody say, I don't make it happen. God makes it happen. And so he said, do not lay your hand. Then he said, then Abraham lifted up his eyes and looked in there with behind him was a ram caught in the thicket by its horns. So Abraham went and took the ram and offered it for a burnt offering instead of his son. And Abraham called the name of the place the Lord will provide, Jehovah Jireh. 
that's the name, as it is said to this day, in the mount of the Lord, it shall be provided. And then here's the really important part of this whole thing. Then the angel of the Lord called to Abraham a second time out of heaven and said, be by myself, I have sworn, says the Lord, because you have done this thing and you have not withheld your son, your only son, blessing, I will bless you. And multiplying, I will multiply your descendants as the stars of the heaven and as the sand which is on the seashore. And your descendants shall possess the gate of their enemies. In your seed, all the nations of the earth shall be blessed because you have obeyed my voice. Everybody say, that was the test of that covenant, of that covenant. And Abraham returned to his young man, and they arose and went together to Beersheba, and Abraham dwelt there. Everybody say the covenant was secured. <laughs> it was secured. There's always a test to the promise that God gives. And, uh, you know, I know there are things that happen in people's lives that I, I have no explanation for. But I do believe that the same God that, well, by the Holy Spirit, the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, the whole word of God is written. The same God that promises in here, his promises are as good today as they were right here. And it goes on, and because we don't have a lot of time, I'm going to move on to Exodus. But they, you know, when we see the fulfillment of the things God promised, we know they went to Egypt. We know that they were persecuted. Uh, when Joseph was there, everything was okay, but Joseph died. The Pharaohs changed, and when that happened, then the Israelites became persecuted in that land. And, um, and God raised up a deliverer, and it was Moses. Uh, Moses, you know, was an Israelite, but, um, you know, in order to save him, his mother put him in the water and we know the rest of the story, but he ended up, he ended up in Pharaoh's house as his son. However, when he got in a disagreement and well, he didn't, two Jews got a disagreement and he, he actually killed, not the Jew. It was, he got, they got in a disagreement. He killed one of the, uh, Egyptians. So then he ended up fleeing Everybody say fleeing. Because the next day, he thought he hid the thing, but then the next day, two Israelites got in a fight, and then he tried to break that up, and they said, who, do you, who died and left you in charge, basically, is what they said. And he fled. So it didn't look like he was ever going to be a deliverer. I mean, if you, if you look at the word of God, it looked like that wasn't going to happen. Everybody say, what God says will happen. And he uses the most unlikely person to do it. How many of you know some unlikely people <laughs> that have ended up doing things that you wonder how they ever get in that position? I could have done that much better. Have you ever had that thought? It's because God knows something about them that we don't know. God knows something about them that we don't know. So Moses ends up in, in chapter 3. Um, he go, he's, he's tending the flock of his father. I'm not about going to run out of time here. But it says that he, he was just minding his own business. Everybody say minding his own business. He's doing what he always does. He isn't doing anything special, nothing that would make him be chosen to do this. He hasn't, you know, performed something that would give him uh, credentials. He's just minding what he's supposed to be doing. And the angel of the Lord appears to him in a flame of fire from the midst of a bush. And, of course, the, the bush is not consumed. And, and the Lord begins to call out to him and says, Moses, Moses. And Moses answers, here I am. And he says, do not draw near this place. Take off the sandals of your feet, the sandals off your feet, for the place where you stand is holy ground. Moreover, he said, I am the God of your father. And what does he talk to him about? Covenant. Everybody say covenant. Because he said, I am the God of your father, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, the God of Jacob. He's saying, I'm the God that has established covenant, and it applies to you. Because you are a descendant. Remember he said the descendants, all the other generations, would also come under this covering of this covenant. And he said, and Moses hid his face for he was afraid to look upon God. Now if you go back just at the, right before that chapter, it says in verse 24 of the chapter 2, so God heard the groanings. The children of Israel were crying out because of the bondage that they were in and that there was no hope for them in their own sight, but God heard them. Everybody say, God heard them. And God heard their groaning, and God remembered his covenant. Everybody say, he remembered his covenant. With Abraham, with Isaac, and with Jacob. And God looked upon the children of Israel, and God acknowledged them. In other words, God 
made a plan to rescue them. How many of you have ever had to be rescued? God will rescue you. You know, we did a CD a few years ago, and we used the song, Rescue the Perishing. Out of the depths of his infinite love, God gave me a song, I will rescue you. I will rescue you. God has a rescue plan for your life. If you're here tonight and you don't know what it is, he has a rescue plan. Jesus was your deliverer, but God uses people to deliver people. He uses judges to have mercy and deliver people from situations. We've seen it in situations in this church over the years. And in Tulsa, we would see God move in on something that just looked impossible, but God would fix it. So God determines to fix it for the children of Israel. Why did he do that? Because he made a covenant and he made a promise to do it clear back in Genesis 15. I read it earlier. He said that they would be in bondage. Did you remember that? We read that. He said, you're going to be in bondage for 400 years. But then you will come out and you will come out with great possessions. So now he's keeping his promise right here for that promise he made in that covenant. Isn't this exciting? I mean, to me, it's exciting. I love it. I love it because it says the same God we serve, same yesterday, today, and forever. When God makes a promise, he keeps it. And so it begins with this encounter with Moses. So I have come down to deliver them. He says in verse 7, I have surely seen the oppression of my people who are in Egypt, and I've heard their cry because of their taskmasters, for I know their sorrows. So I have come down to deliver them out of the land of Egypt and to bring them up to the land. He's going to talk about covenant again. Everybody say, this is covenant. He's promised. He's going back to the promise. Bring them up to that land, to a good and large land, to a land flowing with milk and honey, to the place of the Canaanites, Hittites, Amorites, Perizzites, Hivites, and Jebusites. Where did we hear that before? Back in Genesis 15. Now, therefore, behold, the cry of the children of Israel has come to me, and I have seen the oppression with which the Egyptians oppressed them. Come now, therefore, and I will send you to Pharaoh that you may bring my people, the children of Israel, out of Egypt. I'm sure he thought, me? I mean, I don't want to go back there. But Moses said to God, who am I? that I should go to Pharaoh and that I should bring the children of Israel out of Egypt. This is so important, this next verse. So he said, God said, I will certainly be with you. I will certainly be with you. That's all he said. And this shall be a sign to you that I have sent you. When you have brought the people out of Egypt, you shall serve God on this mountain. Well, then Moses said to God, indeed, when I come to the children of Israel and say to them, the God of your fathers sent me to you, and they say to me, what is his name? What shall I say to them? Well, who, who has the covenant? Who established the covenant? I am God. So God said to Moses, I am who I am. And he said, thus you shall say to the children of Israel, I am has sent me to you. What is he saying? The God of the covenant has sent me to you. Amen? Amen. That same God that sent Jesus that you received is still for you, just like this God was for these children that were oppressed. There's oppression today coming against the church now. Have you noticed? But they don't know who they're messing with. <laughs> they're not messing with the church. They're messing with God. And I believe God is starting to say, hey, <laughs> watch what I can do. Amen? amen? But we're going to have to be the people that stand up and say yes and amen. This is our God. And this is the God we serve. And so it goes on and it says, moreover, God said to Moses, thus you shall say to the children of Israel, the Lord God of your fathers. See, he's, this is what he's going to say. You say I am and then you reinforce it with the fact that I'm the God of the covenant, the Lord God of your fathers, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, the God of Jacob has sent me to you. This is my name forever. And this is a memorial to all generations. Go and gather the Israel, the elders of Israel and say to them, the Lord God of your fathers, the God of Abraham, Isaac and Jacob appeared to me saying, I have surely visited you and seen what is done to you in Egypt. I don't have time to read it all. But he says, uh, you know, um, 
the very end of this chapter I love, he says uh, in verse 19, but I am sure that the king of Egypt will not let you go. No, not even by a mighty hand. In other words, what I'm giving you to do, well, you're, it's not going to work at first. How, how many of you have ever had something not work at first? Not work again, not work another time. You know, but what, what he had promised them he was going to do, but it took 10 encounters before he did what he said he was going to do. And all those encounters, Pharaoh refused. But if you read it, it says God hardened Pharaoh's heart so he would refuse. So that God was given all the glory for all those times that it failed. You know, when we fail once, we're thinking, oh, where's God? I don't know. He's gone. When really, it just may be in a process to show God mightier than he's ever been. Amen? Think about that. So it says, in the, he says, I will stretch out my hand, strike Egypt with all my wonders, which I will do in its midst. After that, he will let you go. I will give this people favor in the sight of the Egyptians, and it shall be when you go that you will not go empty-handed. But every woman, now I don't know why God sent the women next door to get the jewels instead of the men, but he did. But every woman shall ask of her neighbor, namely of her who dwells near her house, articles of silver, articles of gold, clothing. You shall put them on and your sons and your daughters, so you shall plunder the Egyptians. What did he say back in Genesis? He said, when you go, you will go with great possessions. They have no idea how that would ever come to pass. How many of you have things you just don't have any idea how they would ever come to pass? But you have a covenant. Everybody say, I have a covenant. You know, the reason I like to teach covenant is because I believe it encourages people's faith. Because if God did this in the old covenant, Jesus said, we have a better covenant. We have better promises, better covenant. So if that's the case in the new, if this happened in the old, think of what God wants to do now in the covenant we're in. You know, I'm going to close, but uh, and and we can next week we'll talk, finish this, and then we'll go into the new covenant. But uh, when Sue said tonight, you know, God, there's things that are way beyond what we've thought about yet, because if if you just look at this, you know, from Genesis into Exodus, you know, there's years that go in between there. There's things that happen in between there. If you just think about this, from old covenant to new covenant, there's 400 years, and nobody even heard from a prophet. Nobody heard from anybody. John the Baptist was the first prophet that came on the scene after Malachi. So, you know, there's a long span there of, of everything coming to pass. But what we're talking about right now is just the beginning of the promise in Genesis 3. He will bruise. He will bruise the head of the serpent. But the serpent will bruise his heel. That, that was covenant talk from the start. From the start. Right there in the biggest mistake that ever happened for all eternity when Adam and Eve fell. And those were God's kids. Don't worry about yours. God knows how to fix the mess. I count on that. I count on that. He fixed me. I was a real big mess. But God knows how to fix things. And he fixes them because of covenant, not because of what we've done. Amen? Let's stand together. Father, I thank you for your word. I thank you that you make a way where there is no way. And that's what we stand on tonight, that in the midst of our greatest decisions, and I felt tonight to pray for people who, you know, you feel like you've done what God said, but it sure doesn't look like you've done what God said. Uh, how many of you would say that? That's me. <laughs> sure doesn't look like I'm on that right path. Well, we're not going to give up on what we know. Amen. And if we've made a detour, you know, God is so good. He's, he's got roads that lead back to where we're supposed to be. And so, you know, Pastor Bill and I at times have said in this journey we've taken in the ministry, Lord, if we got on the wrong path, just get us back where we're supposed to be, you know. We didn't do this intentionally. How, how many of you just intentionally got yourself in a big mess? No. But, but th- those things happen. And so when you get in that place, it's not the time to say, I quit. I don't want to do this anymore. Or you run away from God. It's a time to just say, God, if I'm on the wrong path, just get me back where I'm supposed to be. I I repent. Even if I don't know what I'm repenting for, I just say, I'm sorry, 
fix this. God will fix it. He, he fixed it lots in the old covenant. We're just barely able to touch the tip of the iceberg. But I want to promise you tonight, if that's you and you're thinking, you know, this doesn't look a thing like what I thought it was going to look like. I want to pray for you tonight. So let's bow our heads. If that's you tonight, we've prayed that if there's anybody here who didn't know Jesus, that, that you would make that decision tonight to let Jesus be the Lord of your life. But, but when we talk covenant, we're talking promises. And there's nothing uh, harder to overcome than when you feel like what you thought God said isn't going to happen. And you look at where you are instead of what God said. If that's you tonight, I want you to just lift your hand. I'm going to pray for you. So this isn't going the way I thought it was supposed to go. Would you lift your hand? I'm going to pray right now. If that's you, God's going God's to gonna show you what's going on. Father, I thank you tonight for supernatural intervention in the the minds of those that have their hand raised that you will show them if there's a place where they've made a detour you'll show them and then they can get back to where they're supposed to be but if this is just the enemy coming against them or a test in their life for them to overcome that they will begin to overcome by the blood of the lamb the word of their testimony and most importantly not loving their life even unto death because it's when we lay it all down that we really begin to flow in what God's got. And I pray for all of you that have your hands up. I bind discouragement. I bind uh, people wanting to let go of what God told them tonight in this room. We are not letting go of a promise that God made to us. Because faithful is he who calls us and he will do it. First Thessalonians chapter 5 verse 18. He will do it in Jesus' name. I thank you, Lord, that the covenant that you have made with us is a promise that will never be revoked because we're in an everlasting covenant. And we give you the praise and the honor and the glory tonight for Jesus, for what he did on Calvary to secure this covenant that we walk in. We thank you for the God we serve, that he has never changed. He has created us for good works. He has created us. We are his workmanship that we've been placed in the earth to be successful to be uh, mighty in God, in Jesus' name, that our strength is in you tonight, in this place. And I bind discouragement and failure in Jesus' name. I say to you, you have no place. We may fail, but we are not failures in the name of Jesus. Faithful is he who called you. Faithful is he who called you. He will do it in Jesus' name. And everybody who believed that said, amen. amen. Say this with me. I am steadfast immovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord, knowing that my labor is never in vain. Therefore, I never stop. I win in Jesus' name. Amen. Go and be blessed.